This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, all right, Bridgeway, good morning. It is so good to see you here today. I'm Pastor Ron, if you're new or visiting with us. And I'm excited to dive back in. I missed you. I wasn't here last weekend. And I want to just dive right into things. So I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible this morning or your favorite Bible app, if you could turn to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to kind of start there. It's going to take us all over the Bible this morning. Uh, but let me give you kind of a little update on where we're at. If you're new or visiting with us, we've been in this series called Transform, kind of looking at this fall, looking at how God wants to grow us spiritually. And the way he wants to do that is through this transformation of who we are into the image and the likeness of Jesus. I got to also just pause for a moment and say, uh, as your pastor, you got to give me a little extra grace this morning. I think I'm losing my voice. Uh, I've been talking all weekend. I had a wedding last night. And have you noticed that weddings have gotten kind of louder? Have you noticed that? Um, actually, someone told me the weddings haven't gotten louder, Ron. I've actually gotten older. So trying to talk over the music last night, I think I've just lost my voice. Hopefully we'll get through this service. Uh, but I'm hoping God will transform this moment and this experience for you today. Um, what God does is he wants to change your life completely. God doesn't want just a small little tweak or a little minor improvement. What God wants is he wants to completely, radically, and wholly change who you are. And that's where these four little words come in, this risk, pain, tension, and tribe. Because it turns out the way in which you grow the most actually happens through the experiences that you like the least. In fact, you think about the tribe, the group of people that are around you. Certainly, it's great to have people that love you and support you and encourage you. But the people that probably grow you the most are the ones that get on your nerves, the ones that kind of press your patience. And God has them there for a reason. Not only that, last week, Pastor Justin looked at our tensions, did an excellent job talking about how when we feel like we've got all these stressors in life, right? Like you're this lizard being chased through the desert. I kicked that out of my mind all this week. You know, that you're actually called to kind of sit in the middle of those stressors. And as Justin said, to be steadfast in your prayer. Today we're going to look at pain, and then next week come back and we're going to take a look at kind of our, our risk tolerance, kind of a, a Christian perspective on risk. But today is pain day. I kind of feel like I, I drew the short end of the stick on this one, because when it comes to pain, let's be honest, nobody Nobody likes pain. Uh, nobody really likes to experience pain. Most of us, we don't even like to talk about our pain. And yet, I believe there's an incredible opportunity for us to grow through those painful moments. In fact, let me just kind of start off with sort of a universal statement, kind of get us all on the same page. Because what I've learned is that when it comes to pain, kind of the big idea is that everyone experiences pain. Now, some of you are looking at me this morning like, like, duh, pastor, right? Like, did I get up out of bed this morning to kind of know the obvious? Of course, you know this. Everyone experiences pain. Now, the, the twist is that we may experience different types of pains, and most certainly, I've seen that we experience maybe different depths and levels to our pain. But we all experience something. This is sort of like common to the human life journey, kind of just natural for all of us. And in a room this size, I can imagine, especially most of us being adults in the room, we've experienced some common pain together. In fact, you've probably experienced, at some point in your life, the loss of a loved one. 
and we call that grief. And for some, you can stay stuck in that pain for a really long time. Maybe some of you experienced relational pain. Maybe you've had a friendship that's hit hard times, or maybe you've had some difficulties in your marriage, or you've experienced a divorce, or maybe you're, you're like me. You were, I was a child of divorce. I feel like I, I worked out a lot of my childhood trying to kind of figure out the pain of divorce in my family. Maybe you've experienced the pain of just a bad choice, right? And, and you've got kind of this pain point that keeps leading you back into habits in addictions. Maybe you've, you've experienced some financial pain. Oh, why did, I, why did I make that investment? Or why did I make that purchase? Maybe your you know, income was here and your purchase was here and there was a lot of pain associated with that. And you just, you're kind of still reeling. Oh, why did I go to Art Van over a holiday weekend, right? Like just pain on top of pain. Probably the thing that we have all experienced and probably the thing that we're most willing to talk about is our physical pain. Everyone experiences some amount of physical pain. In fact, I wasn't here last week because I was doing a little thing I really like to do called triathlon. Uh, that's maybe what some of you would consider kind of a self-inflicted pain. I really enjoy it. In fact, uh, thank you so much uh, for many of you that reached out and, and texted me and messaged me and and just encourage me. It's one of the ways in which I care for my body is by doing uh, these long-distance triathlons of swimming and biking and running. And the reality is, in a triathlon, uh, everyone hurts. Everyone experiences pain. Uh, last weekend's race was kind of unique. It was a pro field, so I got to toe the line with a bunch of professionals. And it was obvious to me, watching the professionals run, that whether you cross the finish line in first place or in last place, it doesn't matter. It's a painful process to endure. And one of my favorite moments is seeing people overcome their pain, to see people kind of overcome with endurance these moments that, that allow them to achieve what God has called them to. In fact, um, one of the things that was really cool is last weekend, uh, my friends, uh, Johnny and Jeff Agar, uh, we're at this race as well. If you don't know the Agars, they're actually from Rockford. Uh, if you've been out on the White Pine Trail, you might have seen them uh, jogging or biking by from time to time. But even though we did the exact same race, I think this race was much harder for Johnny and Jeff Agar. It's a father-son duo. It was a harder race for Johnny because he was born prematurely with cerebral palsy. And every day is a reminder of the physical pain that he's in. And I think the race was much harder for his father, Jeff, who had to tow Johnny in a little lifeboat on the 1.2 mile swim. And then they transferred Johnny to a bike cart and, and Jeff, his dad, towed him across the 56 miles on M22. And then as you see in this picture, uh, Jeff pushed Johnny 13.1 miles in the half marathon. I've been to lots of races with Johnny and Jeff and and they have to meet the same cutoffs, the same time requirements as every other person in that race. And I've seen them come up short, miss the finish line, not finish in time. It's heartbreaking to witness, but not last Sunday. They got to the finish. In fact, just in enough time for Johnny to get out of the cart and actually finish and cross the finish line in his own power, in his walker. You should have just heard that crowd, just everybody cheering for him. An amazing moment. Truth is, you don't have to be a triathlete to experience pain. Everyone hurts. But the question I want to ask, and the pivot I want to make in this message, is not just does everyone hurt, but what do you do with your pain? 
I mean, where do you go? What do you, where do you take your pain? And what I want to show you this morning is that pain is actually profitable, that it can actually grow you spiritually. And the one thing I hope you see in this message this morning is to never waste your pain. In fact, I want to challenge some of you right now to make a decision, to kind of make a commitment right here before you leave today to say, I will never waste the pain in my life ever again. In fact, it is very profitable to you spiritually. You can choose how you're going to grow spiritually through your painful moments. I actually believe of of the four things we're looking at in this series, pain has been the greatest teacher in my life. I believe with all my heart that you can learn from your losses, that you can improve from injuries, you can actually gain from pain. But like much of this series, it requires that that you shift in your mind, that you make a decision and a choice to say, I'm going to give God all the glory from these experiences. I'm going to not just go through pain, but I'm going to grow through pain. You can find pain in almost every book of the Bible. In fact, it was hard for me this week to narrow down where to look. So I want to actually do a little bit of a biographical sketch this morning of one person in the Bible. His name is Paul, and he writes all these letters. In fact, hopefully you found yourself to Galatians chapter 3. He is a, uh, an amazing man. When he kind of gets his life on track with God, he's unstoppable. He starts sharing this message of Jesus everywhere he goes. It lands him in a world of hurt. They flog him. They beat him. They imprison him. Uh, He just continues to go on. He starts about 20 different churches throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, But everywhere he goes, he's kind of a hated man. Um, In fact, when you get to the end of his life, it seems like the closer he's drawn to God, the more suffering he has to endure. In fact, at the end of his life, it's almost like the wheels just come off and he experiences pain on top of more pain. He's in jail for sharing this message of Jesus, and he's almost assassinated. So they decide to move him from one prison cell and extradite him to Rome, and on that journey, he has to get on a boat with a bunch of other hardened criminals and uh, Roman generals, and they get on this boat, and this boat experiences this huge storm, this nor'easter picks up, And literally, Paul gathers all the prisoners together, and he says, hey, if we just trust God, he gets all the guards, if we just trust God, we're going to get through this moment. And the boat gets smashed to smithereens. In fact, they're all thrown into the water. They're grabbing onto planks. They swim safely to shore. Paul's kind of the leader of the group now, and everyone's wet and cold, so he starts gathering wood, and he builds his fire. And as he's gathering the wood, he gets bit by a viper, kind of a bad omen, right? Like, just not a good thing. And he lives through that. And it's just sort of like pain on top of more pain. But for Paul, it's just, it's like every day. It's just like, you know, that's a Tuesday for him, just a normal kind of day for him. And then he's able to kind of share from his experience what God has taught him. And this is what he writes in Galatians chapter three. It's a really peculiar verse. It's kind of something I've actually kind of struggled to understand until recently. But he writes these words. He's writing this church in Galatians. He says, Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? And I've got to tell you, we're going to come back to the book of Galatians in a couple of weeks. In fact, um, we're going to study this entire book uh, all the way up until Christmas. And during that series, I'm going to give you a lot of background uh, and a lot of the context of this verse in this entire book. But for now, you just need to know that this is a point when Paul has experienced all of these struggles, all of these trials, all of these tribulations, and he's writing this other church, and he's saying to them, hey, from my experience, let me share with you some wisdom. He's saying, when you look at your life, 
Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? And I think this is the part that tripped me up on this verse. I think it's the word vain. We think of vain and we think of vanity. We think of kind of that, I don't know, that pride glory, right? Like, I don't know, maybe vanity, right? You know someone, not you, I'm not talking about you, but you know someone. And they get up in the morning and they just think, right? They're just God's gift to this world, right? You know, they, they get up and they look in the mirror and they're like, oh, it's so good to be me, right? And you look at that person, you're like, they're so vain, right? And what you really mean by that is, what a waste, right? Like, for someone to be so vain, to be so self-consumed, it's, it's such a waste, right? Because you know how the world works. And no matter how great you think you are, no matter how smart or beautiful or talented you think you are, there's always somebody who's going to top that. And so you look at that person, and maybe you need to look at yourself as well, and say, it's a waste. It's of no value at all. I think actually what Paul is getting at, and a better translation of this verse would be, have you experienced so much for nothing? I mean, is everything that you've gone through just for nothing, a waste, like vanity? Maybe another way to think about it is, have you ever gone through something and then kind of found yourself asking, why did I have to go through that, right? And maybe it wasn't life-threatening, maybe it just was really serious, right? Like, I don't know, maybe you were in a car accident, you got really roughed up, maybe you broke some bones, and you looked at your poor car, and your car's totaled, you call the insurance company, and you know, they, they write you a check for like this amount, and have you tried to buy a car in today's market? Like you're just, you're upside down in the vehicle and, and you're bruised and you're broken. And, and yeah, you're on the healing side of it, but this has cost you emotional uh, damage and physical and financial damage. And you get to the other end of it and you're like, what was that for, God? Or maybe you've gone through a health scare. It wasn't life-threatening, didn't take your life, but man, it was scary. And you felt like it was gonna be lights out. Maybe you got a diagnosis or you had an injury and, and you went through all of that. You had to go to the hospital and you had to go to rehab and, and you get all the way on the other end of that and you're like, what was that for? Hey, have I experienced so much in vain? Was it really just meaningless? Did it have nothing to do? And Paul's going to say, no, all of that pain has a value and a purpose. You may not see it now. You may not get it yet, but all of it has this opportunity to grow you. In fact, I think it would be fascinating to just study the life of Paul, but he's actually kind of flipping the script. He's actually not talking about himself. He's saying, have you experienced so much in vain? And I think it would be a terrible miss this morning to just talk about Paul. So I actually want to do the same and kind of flip the script on you this morning and get you and I thinking about the painful experiences in our life. I want to give you Three ways in which you can grow through pain, that you can grow spiritually through pain. And I'm going to challenge you to do this, to make a list at the end of my So I want to encourage you even now to start thinking of those painful moments. But let me give you the first way in which you can grow through pain. It's actually a decision. You may want to write this down. Write this down. When I'm in pain, I can choose to draw closer to God. Kind of the image here I'd like you to see is it's kind of this idea of when you're in pain... You have a choice. You can either run in the direction of God, or you can choose to run the opposite direction. You can retreat from God. And 
Many do. In fact, look at what Paul says. He kind of paints this really dire life and death situation. If you're in Galatians, turn kind of to your left. You'll get to the, uh, the book of Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, another church in another town, he's kind of relating to them, again, his painful experiences, big pain points in his life. And he says this in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 8. He says to this church, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. He's saying it's really bad. We, we thought it was lights out. We were despairing of our life. It gets worse. Verse 9, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. I love these words from Paul. He's saying, when the chips were down, right? When things were out of my control, like beyond my human ability. Notice he doesn't say, well, I just pulled myself together, right? And you should too. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? He doesn't say that. He says, when I was in that moment of life and death, this was a moment when I had to rely not on myself, but on God. You see, if the trigger is pain, then the healing mechanism is not to self-medicate or not to push God away, but it's actually to rely on God, to come closer to God. And this is where I just want to tell you, as kind of your friend and pastor this morning, when you choose to do this, to rely on God and not on yourselves, uh, you will raise the eye of many people around you. In fact, I believe that the world wants wants nothing more than for you not to do this. And in fact, a lot of people in the world will, will kind of think you're, you're silly, you're crazy. What do you mean? You're in pain and you're relying on God? God's the, God's the one who puts you in this predicament. That's oftentimes what you'll hear from the world. So it'll be a very countercultural message when you choose to rely not on yourself, but on God. I, I saw a really clear example of this uh, just recently in the tennis tournament, the U.S. Open. I, I'm kind of a closet tennis fan and I love uh, Coco Goff. She's just an amazing young tennis talent. I've followed her career for a little while now. And, and she's actually very outspoken with her Christian faith, but she's experienced a ton of heartache. In fact, she's been on, kind of on the door of winning these major tournaments and then would suffer a loss. And everyone would kind of wonder, wow, is Coco for real? Is she going to you know, kind of get the big win? And, and even in the U.S. Open this year, she had a really, really hard journey. In fact, I watched two of her matches. She was behind like significantly, and both of them had to rally, come from behind, and win both the matches. She ended up in a, like an argument with her coach. Coach was sitting kind of up two rows in the stand, and he's yelling down at her, and she's yelling back at him. This is all on like, you know, nationally televised uh, programming, and just a really tense moment. And she finally gets to the finals and does what she hasn't done, but she finally wins it. And right after she does that, she goes and she drops to her knees at her bench. And afterwards, uh, of course, the interviewer picked up on this and, and kind of asked her, and she just said point blank, and I quote, she said, God puts you through tribulations and trials, and she just want to take a moment to praise and to thank God. Now, amen, that's awesome, right? Like, I love that picture. Yeah, you clap for that. Very cool. <laughs> but here's what was so funny. On SportsCenter, they took this picture and they tweeted it out, and they chose to caption it with, Soaking it all in. Uh, 
politically correct, but not at all what she said she was doing. I mean, it'd be more accurate to say giving thanks, praying to God. I mean, anything. But again, the world just doesn't want us to go in this direction, doesn't want us to give glory and turn our attention and our reliance on God. Now, I know some of you, you're here this morning, you're thinking, well, you know, big deal. That's a millionaire tennis player, right? And she's going to get paid millions and millions more. Thanks, Ron. You know, just way to kind of show us that. But I, I want you again to see that pain is universal. And we might have different stages in life, different platforms, but we all have the opportunity to show the world that we can rely on God in our most painful, pain-stricken moments. That's the first thought. You can draw closer to God. Let me give you the second point. When you're in pain, again, it's a choice. When in pain, I can choose to pull others closer. Not just God, but I can actually look at expanding the circle of what I call care around me. This uh, requires something of you. It requires vulnerability. And you might kind of be figuring this out. Wait a minute, Pastor. You mean to tell me that when I'm in pain, maybe even because of some of the choices I've made, you're telling me, you're telling me I got to open up? I got to be vulnerable? No way, right? Like, there's something about the stigma of pain. And, you know, I, I don't want to burden others. We say that sort of as the excuse of really feeling maybe shame or guilt or embarrassment. And again, the recipe is to actually go the other direction, to pull people in. This might be the hardest thing for people to actually do. I'll be honest with you. In fact, I've seen this so many times. I can remember when I first started out as a pastor and I wasn't ordained. I hadn't been through seminary yet. And I was just like green. And I remember having these like meetings with people and, and they would like bear their soul. I had like this front row seat to their pain. And they would begin to share with me as their pastor, you know, all of this pain that they'd experienced. And, and my jaw would sort of drop. I couldn't let them see that, but I was like, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a lot of pain. And I just simply got good at asking, well, who else have you shared this with? And now the response, I'm not even surprised by it because it seems like for 20 years now, I, I hear over and over again, people say, well, I haven't shared this with anybody. You're the first person I've told and while that might seem like a privilege and an honor, and it is, it doesn't allow for the healing and for the care to be extended in the way in which the person needs it to actually grow. This may be what the world does, but we're called as followers of Jesus to actually draw people closer. Again, we look at the life of Paul, and I'm going to flip to another one of his letters. This one, the most personal, he writes to his dear friend, Timothy. And now Paul, he's at the very end of his life. In fact, he's not in house arrest. He's not just being told to stay in his home. He's literally, history tells us, he's in a hole, at the very bottom of it. And he's either, in this text, he's either weeks or months or maybe up to a year of his life being taken from him. He's going to be beheaded. That's how his life is going to end. And he writes these words, and I think these are some of the most heartbreaking words in all of Scripture. Look how personal he gets at the end of his life. He says to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. Now he's going to list off all these people. For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Trous and my scrolls, especially the parchments. 
That's kind of a, a strange way to end a letter. And maybe some of you, if you've read this book, you're like, yeah, 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 skip over this part, right? It's sort of a kind of a strange sort of ending to a letter. He lists out in this heartbreaking way all these people that have been kind of drawing closer to him and those that have pushed him away in his pain. And then he also gives kind of this laundry list of things. I go, by the way, you know, pick up my cloak, you know, pick up my dry cleaning for me, right? He's a guy on death, death row, right? He's like, get my cloak, I'm cold. And he's a pastor, so, you know, get my, get my scrolls, get my parchments. I want to read, I want to write. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing he does here in this moment. But as he's doing this, he's actually also talking about the people that are around him. It's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, he says of this guy, Demas, he said he deserted me because he just loved the world. Cruskins is gone. Titus is gone. Only Luke is with me. It doesn't even sound like he wants Luke around, right? So bring Mark. And it's kind of a, a strange sort of way in which he's relating. But he's showing these people and he's trying to, in some ways, have this circle around him in his last moments. I can tell you as a pastor, your, your greatest challenges as a Christian will not be theological. They won't be some doctrinal stance or disagreement you have with someone. The greatest challenges you'll have as a follower of Christ will always be to extend and open up that circle and to bring people in to your life. Kind of an interesting thing someone said to me a number of years ago that we have this dynamic as human beings that when things are going well, we've kind of got this like, come closer, come into my life. Let me tell you how great my life is going. And then as soon as things get tough, we we kind of put on the brakes and we're like, get away from me, get away from me. And you might have experienced that. You might have been maybe confused by someone, right? Maybe someone has sent you some mixed messages before where they've been, come closer, draw near, and then get away. And, and honestly, I think over the years I've learned that that's one of those signs that somebody is actually experiencing pain. And as Christians, we have the opportunity and the responsibility to draw closer in those moments. I was thinking as I, I kind of made my, my list, as I'm going to challenge you to do, I kind of made my list a top 10 of my most painful moments in life. And, and as I kind of went through that list and kind of just sat with it for a while, I realized that the, the most painful moments of my life were, were soothed and healed by the people that, that God brought around me. And the moments that I've shared before, I've shared with you some of the, the things that I've experienced, the pain. I, I had a best friend that died, had a heart attack while we were camping, families together, like literally around the picnic table, all of our kids, and he just had a heart attack and died in front of all of us. Such a painful moment. And, and Sean, her best friend, died in a tragic uh, snowmobile accident in the woods. And I mean, just things that you don't ever want to experience. And yet the people and the church that God brought around us was this healing and this opportunity. I think of some of the painful moments when my wife had a miscarriage a number of years ago, and I was traveling at the time. I wasn't in ministry, and, and God just brought all these people, just showed up at our doorstep and just joined us in that grief, as hard as it was. I think some of those painful moments can be some of the most healing moments in our life. But you must show up. And you have to show up in a real way, kind of the, the letters I-R-L, right? Like, in real life, not a text or a post, but to actually say, I'll enter in to the moment that you're experiencing. That's where real healing happens. You need to draw closer to God. You need to pull others into your pain. And let me give you the last way. You might want to write this down. The last way you can grow through your pain is, again, a choice to say, when I'm in pain, I can choose to help others. 
I can take this pain and I can turn it outwards. I would call this a redemptive use of pain. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. This is really where we can take the pain we've experienced and then use it to help others. Did I go through all of that in vain for nothing? Paul would say, no. You can use that to help and to heal someone else if you choose to, if you let it. If you don't push that pain away or bury it deep in your soul or leave it in some counseling session, you can actually use that pain to help somebody else. And I just wonder, I just was thinking all this week, I just wonder, in a room this size, in a church like Bridgeway that loves people and loves God, I just wonder how the experiences here could be used to help other people through their points of pain. You know, one of the things, especially if you're new here at Bridgeway, is we we place a high value on life together. In fact, it's one of our uh, core initiatives in our 10-year vision, really trying to help the church have this life together process where you're not alone, where you have a group of people. We call that a small group or a rooted group or at least one other person who cares about your spiritual life. We truly believe it's not just a ministry. It's a way of life here in the church that life is better together. So I want to give you one thing you can do, kind of my challenge to you as I wrap this message up this morning, is what I've already said, and that's to make a list. Make a list of your most painful experiences. Now, I, I spent a lot of time, I got like a top 10 list, and I don't think you need to do that. In fact, if you got through your top three, four, maybe five painful experiences, and you list them out, and, and I'll tell you, just some of the things that were on my list were, were, were the time when my mom died, and the time when I experienced burnout. And when I had a heart attack, I was thinking about some of those moments. And you'll have a list too. And on your list, I want you to then start working through these questions. Because of this pain, am I closer to God or further away? Maybe another way to think about it is, am I, is am I better because of this experience? Or am I carrying some bitterness towards God? Another question to ask is, you know, who's with me? Who, who have I pulled in to my pain to help grow through this experience? And then finally, the last question is, Who can I help? Maybe you're at a point of healing in your pain, and you can turn this pain into something good for someone else. That's my hope. I believe truly that this could be one of the most transformative experiences for your life and the best healing available for your soul. If you would bow your heads and pray with me, please. God, I want to thank you for the lives you've given us. And while the truth is, is our lives are not easy, they are hard and they are painful in times, They are also sweet and filled with great joy because of your love and your grace and your power and your strength. God, I just want to pray for this church and for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would help us to process our pain in a way in which you get all the glory and all the honor. And God, I know in my life, I'd rather not deal with my pain. I'd rather bury it away. And God, I just pray that you would do the hard work God, you might have to take out a chisel and a hammer and dig through layers and layers that we've masked. But God, may we do that work so that we can give you all the glory and we can draw closer to you in all of our lives. God, we give you this time and we give you our voices as a gift of worship. We thank you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or our website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the sermon discussion guide. 